Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And this is a discussion episode, a new kind of episode where we have a thing to talk about. We don't know how many more of these we're going to have, and we didn't really want to have this one, but here we are. We are discussing the Harry Potter series in general, um, both what's in the text and also some things that the author seems determined to make sure that everyone knows her opinion on, mainly but not exclusively on Twitter. That author, of course, being J.K. Rowling. Um, we're going to be talking about um, racism, anti-Semitism, transphobia, just uh, like fat phobia, a lot of things. If you already know how this author is on these issues and you need to bow out, thank you for tuning in this far and we'll catch you in our regular episodes. Please don't feel obliged to stick around. If you are surprised that we would have all this stuff to bring up, this episode is for you. Please hang with us. We have some things to discuss. Uh, it is just quick kind of programming note. Um, we did not put this in as one of our regular episodes on purpose. Mm. Yep. So this is a, a, a very recently scheduled <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, kind of last minute planned episode because it's it's relevant kind of right now and it's relevant in a very traumatizing way for readers and we felt like taking a second to kind of use our platform to highlight the effects of the way an author treats their characters on their readers as it's mm -hmm. happening, not quite in real time, but, you know, recently, again. Um, and now that we're in the fourth was, or fifth... Was worth it. We're in the fourth or fifth week in a row or something. I, I think it's it, six. It's, June was a long month of June took like rolling. five years, guys. <laughs> yeah, it was a long month for for a lot of stuff that was going on, but as it relates to rolling in particular... um where she just kept saying it, specifically that we caught transphobic things like every single week. Um, and, um, and not limited and, to that. But, and also, yeah. um, things relating, um, autistic people to transphobia. <laughs> transphobic I, topics, I missed cool. that. So we'll definitely need to dig into that. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah, okay. that was fun. Huh. All right. Uh, first thing we're going to kind of hit is the fat phobia in her books in general. Starting with Dudley. Yep. So Dudley, his principal sins, flaws, whatever. In So I reread book one for this. Nicole didn't have to because Nicole had them memorized nearly I so I read them a lot when I was in middle school. And we'll get to that because there's a reason for that. And yeah. it comes in later in, in our discussion. Yep. So, rereading this first, rereading the first book, uh, if we have, you may know this book as either Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone or Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. When the Dursleys, um, the uncle and then Dudley in particular, 
are referenced in the book as being large. Dudley is primarily characterized as a boy whose parents don't understand how to give him any boundaries, and they also have, at this point, given him a lot of food, and he is very large. He... He's a kid who never was given boundaries, and one of the things he never had any boundaries on was being guided on how to eat well, and he is portrayed as comically villainous because of this. Like, he and Harry are nearly, are, like, their birthdays are, like, a week apart or something. Like, in the whole book's, like, they're the same age, right? There isn't, like, a year apart or something. They're in the same year at school. Yeah, so... Oh, they... specifically, I do want to kind of highlight. Yep. Uh, there is an implication that Dudley got Harry's food. Oh. I... That's a was... thing. Okay, yeah, I don't... Is that in... There's I missed a that implication huge, in book one. There's a, there's a huge over... It's it's never oh, a... No. Okay, there are... There's definitely some places where it talks about... Um, no, Harry definitely thinks about how whenever there was something he liked Dudley would Dudley eat it would eat so it. yep yeah, yeah you're and, right and also there's a, a huge emphasis on Harry being too skinny because the Dursleys fed Dudley double essentially instead of feeding him and that's yep. just kind of in general through the first three books um yep. it's not it's not any one particular scene it's just kind of a little bit of everywhere <laughs> but that's and the this big isn't overall to absolve, arcing implication this isn't to absolve the Dursleys Oh no! Um, this is yeah. But, this is specifically about Rowling, the author. Yeah, but and her portray- decisions. Yeah, her decision to portray Dudley as villainous because, yeah, his parents fed him more and didn't tell him no, you can't have Harry's food, which is well, they what encouraged to him to take Harry's food. That that happened. Like, so I'm not saying it didn't here's happen. Something- I'm just- yeah, I know. Here's here's something too that that is a big thing for me, and uh, with regards to this particular topic that I I you know thought about later into high school and as an adult, and and we'll kind of get into this a little bit more later, but it does relate to that fat phobia. There are, I believe, very close to as many comments about Dudley's size as there are about Dudley's treatment of Harry. Dudley is an active abuser in Harry's life. He's an active bully and Mm -hmm. intentionally maliciously encouraged to be so by his parents. And also he's in that role and his size is played off as, as much of a problem as his active abuse is. Oh, constantly. Those comments go, those comments go almost like, juxtaposed to each other almost every single time almost every single time either thing is brought up yep and it's it's just in general a very 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 gross portrayal of his character it it treats his size as a flaw it treats his size as some sort of character flaw equal to his his being an abuser yeah and it almost felt like, it almost felt like there was, I don't 
at least in book one, I don't think there were any places where his bullying was mentioned without his size. But there were places where his size was mentioned without talking about him bullying. Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. I think in book three, there's a couple of instances where uh, there's something, something because he's bullying Harry and then... Like with the Dementors on the street at one point, uh, mm-hmm. when Harry was still living with the Dursleys, but he'd already had the the Dementors sicked upon him. He there's something like you know Dudley is is picking on Harry, and then the Dementors show up, and then he has trouble running away because of how big he is. Like that's uh. a thing in that book. So even then, like you know, on something where it was could have could have been a hundred percent about him. Uh, not being in the wrong place at the wrong time, but just like, you know, he would have been, he would have kept bullying Harry, except that the Dementor like showed up. The Dementor showed up. And even then, even in that kind of an instance, Rowling couldn't stop and uh-huh. had to make it about, about him being, um, being, being bigger than Harry. And like, it's, it's all over. Every, every scene Dudley's in, everywhere that he's put into the story. Yeah. Uh, you want to move on to yep. our, our racism topics? Like, I'm sure there's more fat phobia in these books, but like, yeah. that's He's just the, the biggest, biggest <laughs> most constant, yeah. the most prevalent thing in the book. Most consistent. Let's mm-hmm. go with that. Yeah. All right. So we have a topic here is uh, racism. So there's I'm going to start with what's canonical. Yeah, start with what's very mm-hmm. easily seen in the book and then move on to what combines with the author saying things on Twitter after the books were published. So a quick note about this topic before we start. Neither of us are anything other than white people of European descent. Um, we have friends and relatives who are people of color. But we ourselves are not the viewpoints for the things that we are about to say. Um, A lot of the things that we're about to say either just come from having been exposed and and digging into ways that characters are portrayed with racist caricatures or racist um, traits in books that we've been taught about, essentially. And particularly with the canonical racism... um, Robin has a couple of different sources on Twitter who are, you said, um, uh, authors of Chinese descent or Japanese descent. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we are we are pulling we are highlighting other people's words for this section. Yeah. Sources. Sources isn't quite the right word. I because yeah. I'm doing our social and <laughs> okay. social media. I have become involved with book Twitter, and because Rowling keeps saying things on Twitter. Um, people, uh, especially authors of uh, Asian descent, have brought up that um, the 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 name Cho Chang. So, as a um, Midwestern white person, when I was a kid, I didn't realize that there was anything weird about that name, and that's kind of the problem a little bit. So. My understanding is that in in Asian names, 
uh, specifically, I believe, Chinese, which is what it's, I think it's implied that Cho Chang is. Well, especially with... Oh, can I just say real quick? Chang yeah. is her last name, Oh, but yes. she's Cho Chang, which is not how names work in yes. that part of the world. Uh, yeah. That, that was the big thing that I personally noticed as a kid and thought was weird, but I thought it was weird. I didn't realize that it was as badly racist as it is. Yeah, be- I, we're not going to say how you should depict Asian characters in your book. That no, is not our lane. we're just pointing out things that we are either right. seeing or have been pointed out to us. So my, my understanding from the uh, several authors who have done uh, Twitter threads about this um, is that Asian names are generally chosen for what they mean first, and then, ha- like, how they sound is a secondary characteristic of it, and how much that matters is, I can't speak to how much that's going to play a, fact- play a factor. But they're primarily chosen for meaning, and this, th- there's no my name is this and it stands for that or it there's no explanation of of her name meaning something which in other things that i have read where there is a character with an asian name um that's often a part of it is like oh yeah my name's this it means that like now i'm used to seeing that in other books that's that's not in here and i've been told that cho chang or i've read that Cho Chang is just like a mash of syllables. It it's it sounds vaguely maybe Asian-ish because there's C's and vowels, but like that's it. I there's not there's not really more to it, and it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Uh, it doesn't sound really like any actually Chinese names. Yeah, us us even assuming that she's meant to be a caricature of of Chinese culture is that's us, a guess. That's yeah. that's us coming from a Western world viewpoint. Going, is this what we you were know trying to that do? Chang is a name in Chinese culture, and that's all we've got. Like uh, Rowling is so generic with this character in a very bad way. And, you know, when I was a kid, that's not something I would have picked up on. But, like, but but that's the thing, right? Like, that, that that's part of, um, and that, that's part of what, what Rowling's popularity kind of depends on, or depended on, I should say, is that people didn't, that, that her, audi- her audience was kids who, who didn't have kids in the Western world who didn't have the, the, the already independent body of knowledge to notice when something was off. Yeah. And even that assumes that she knew and didn't want us to think about it. Like, Oh, it doesn't matter if she just didn't bother to think about it or if she just thought we wouldn't think about it. Cause either way, she assumed, even if it was just an extension of her not thinking about it, she assumed her 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 audience wouldn't care either. Yeah. Uh, then we get into, like... Non-canonical racism. <laughs> Non-canonical racism. So, 
Well, okay. I don't want to say it's non-canonical. Non-publicly canonical. Uh, author confirmed canon, yeah. quote unquote, instead of published book canon. So something that happened several years ago was Twitter was a buzz because Rowling said, oh, wait, you guys didn't get that? Hermione was black the whole time. Which brings in a whole bunch of questions like, why didn't you push for a black actress to play her in the movies? Like, (laughs) you had some say in that. Okay, all right, that's weird. So there's that. If she really was canonically black in the books, then why not push for a black actress? Because that's a whole other uh, mess of stuff. But, so then I reread book one. And in book one, she is initially described as having bushy brown hair and rather large front teeth. She is also the person who is most consistently called Mudblood throughout the entire series, which is a slur in these books. Being called Mudblood is to say that your parents, that your lineage is not pure wizard. So we have someone with bushy brown hair, large front teeth, and a slur based on ancestry. And then the author chimes in to say, wait, didn't you realize that she's black? And so it's, if that, if that is how we were supposed to know that Hermione was black the whole time, that is a very, that's very racist and very, very problematic. Also, Uh, uh, real quick, a second thing. This happens later in a later book. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, Hermione uses transfiguration magic to shrink her front teeth so that she doesn't look weird. Oh, I remember. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, on its own. There's a little bit of just, I guess, like body shaming in general with that whole concept. Yeah. Um, but if you add in that Rowling expected us to assume she was black. You have a character who can be read as a a black character using transfiguration to uh, look more like the white students. Uh, oh, that's that's bad. That's, that's really not bad. great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, now again, if J.K. Rowling expected us to read a book with a bunch of like other like oh she's she's really a black character like that's really really bad but setting it up that way has some major just like just i don't i don't want to go as far as to say white supremacy but definitely like a lot of implications of that character trying to trying to uh, assimilate with white classmates and literally changing her body to mm-hmm. match them and changing her body in a way that was only even possible because of magic. Like, oh yeah, like I don't know, she that wasn't makes it she feel wasn't talking about lightening her skin or anything that happens in the real world. But yeah, like that's 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 a really bad, a very 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 bad characterization, even if it's completely canon. Yeah, um, and and that's not even talking about the fact that uh, if this was not the plan the whole time and nobody got it or whatever Mm -hmm. and this was just a thrown it in after the fact she still chose a character and said you know what that character that has slurs thrown against them pretty much the entire book 
especially by the poster child for wizarding white supremacy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Draco Malfoy, who canonically is, like, translucently pale and blonde-haired and slicks it back all the time. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, and, has, and this character who, again, changes her bodily appearance to match other students. Um, I think... Uh, when she gets dressed up and fancy, she straightens her hair. It's like oh. a whole thing at the wizarding ball. Oh, Because yeah. she straightens her hair because she didn't, like, she. it's too much effort to do it every day, but she'll do it so that she looks nice. Uh. Like, Rowling chose, if this was not canon the entire time and she was doing it for brownie points, she picked the worst character in her own portrayal of that character to say, oh yeah, this character is black. So either way, it's really bad. Yeah, and I... I don't know, the, the way Hermione gets introduced, like, in in book one, we barely meet Lee, who is described as having dreadlocks and i know they're not called that they're called locks if it's black hair because that's an entire thing um they're not dreadlocks so first of all not the right word for that if you meant lee to be black and then hermione's introduced immediately afterward it's just going in knowing that that was a thing that felt really really off to Mm me yeah okay so, Moving if on. she meant to have it in for the whole time, yikes. Uh, <laughs> if she picked Hermione after the fact to try and claim representation that wasn't originally in the books, not also better. yikes. Not not better. Not better. Uh, right. So, moving on to our third portrayal of uh, a, a cousin of racism. Uh-huh. Uh, anti-Semitism. Yes. So... The Gringotts Goblins. Um, the Gringotts Goblins have canonically many of the traits and habits that are had have, have been consistently throughout history used or are part of anti-Semitic caricatures of Jewish people individually and collectively, and. I I've seen people just here and there, not anyone I can particularly source or cite. Um, but in general conversations about these books, I have seen people of Jewish descent talking about how they started out reading these books when they were younger and got to the Gringotts Goblins and hopped off that train. <laughs> yeah. Even if this is a portrayal that doesn't ring out as anti-Semitic to somebody who is not of that culture. Um, And whether it was intentional or not, it doesn't really matter. Having a secret society of short people with large noses who literally control the money... And secretly, from muggles at least, control all of the money in the wizarding world. Yeah, and and also sometimes wear a hat that uh, at at a very bare bones sketch 
could be considered uh, similar to a yarmulke and a very, very bare bones. I'm not saying that that would be enough on its own, but it adds to the picture. Yeah, it's, um, and, and also they, they are kind of portrayed as, as really never being anywhere else in the wizarding world. Like the only thing they're doing is touching and handling money and that's all they care about. Yeah, we only, do we ever see one outside the bank? Like, we see a statue of one in the Ministry of Magic, I believe. That's it. Not a real Yeah, person, so w- there are no interactions with goblins outside. Not that I remember. Yeah, no memorable uh, interactions with goblins outside of the bank, which means that in the books, the only context for them is when someone needs money. And uh, given the historic position of um, Jewish people as money lenders because they were thought to be honest, coupled with just people, portrayals of that as a as a yeah, and people <laughs> uh, be, being upset as an understatement um, persecuting Jews when something went wrong with the money because they thought that the Jewish people did it on purpose. Like, there's just a whole bunch of really tangled, toxic stuff bound up in deciding to portray uh, these characters as only ever being around money and maybe having hats that look like yarmulkes. Like, it's not... Uh, Also, I'm trying to remember if this is something that I'm remembering correctly in the book or if I'm... If I'm just, if my brain is inserting this, but I believe when Gringotts was robbed, there was a major concern because uh, it happened twice. Once in book one, and then once in a later book. Um, but there was there was initial, if I remember correctly, there was initial concern because Gringotts is never broken into, never robbed, and they were concerned that the that the goblins would be blamed i i believe i don't remember which i think, I think that's got to be the later one i don't one. remember noticing that in this book okay in this book being the first Cause I, rem- I remember that, that being like read. something that harry was or harry was concerned about it maybe it was something along those lines um but yeah like there's there's just some there's too many parallels <laughs> And, and too much, there's too many things about this particular race of magical creature where any one particular thing would not be enough to make it a incredibly problematic and anti-Semitic stereotype. But putting everything together and it comes across as very incredible, almost just incredibly intentional. Um, yeah. Like, to the point where there's some of the stuff in here that, you know, in theory, in kind of in a little bit, like, you could have an author or, or Rowling specifically arguing, like, well, I didn't know, I didn't bother to research or whatever, which is a problem. And, and you know, like, with with uh, with names in, in various Asian cultures, for example, like, if you just don't bother to research as a writer, that's negligence at best. Uh, when you're portraying real, real people in from real places on the in the world, 
uh, and you're intending them to be so, that's negligence at best. But this is one of those where there's no way, <laughs> there's no way this wasn't at least a little bit intentional. All right, moving on to uh, the other magical race that was pretty mistreated in these books and the ones that I think most people are aware of, even if they uh, didn't take a good look at the goblins. The house elves who are, they are a people who is entirely enslaved. Um, Ooh, quick note. Or nearly entirely. Yes. Hermione was their champion, so to speak. Oh, oh. Also very bad. Just ah, good as good that they had a champion. Bad that that their champion champion was in theory the one of like two canonical black characters or semi-canonical black characters. Yeah, yeah, that's. Oh, thank you for connecting that. That is that is also not good. Okay, so then that changes the picture to we have a black character desperately trying to explain to a bunch of white people why it's bad for the house elves to be enslaved and them not getting it. And then it her attempts to help them like not working, basically. Um, they so with the house elves, I don't. Did they do they eventually end up all being freed? The ones from um I don't remember. The, the ones from Hogwarts. I I didn't I read the later was, books. I know there as was much. a strike at one point. Mm-hmm. I know that something, 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 food started magically appearing again, and so in theory they were probably getting paid. I don't remember exactly what happened. I don't think they were freed. I think maybe they got wages eventually. Okay. I don't remember. Right. That that's yeah, that detail I'm So I think I'm proceed in this on. discussion as if maybe they eventually get paid, but they yeah, don't have don't the option of deciding that they're not gonna work. Like that yeah. that's completely out. So best case scenario, they go from being enslaved to being sharecropping or something pretty close <laughs> oh, to it. No. That's yeah, not, that's well, how that feels. I it, <laughs> I don't I don't want to make that not quite sharecropping. I I don't want to draw that conclusion, uh, especially off of my lack of memory on. And, and I think I don't think the book gives a lot of details. Yeah, uh, so, I don't want to assume it's a parallel there, but yeah, I I know Hermione eventually went from all of them need to be free toward to there's so much other stuff happening and there's so many other battles we're fighting. And this is fine, I think. Uh, that was the implication, at least. Yeah. In, so, uh, when I read it. Just in case you don't recall, the house elves, um, they are enslaved co- throughout the wizarding world. They are, like, um, Malfoy's family has a house elf. Um, Speaking of the white supremacist character. Yeah. <laughs> The extremely white-skinned and blonde Malfoys have the implication. They have enslaved a house elf named Dobby that they Um, that they canonically abuse and mistreat. Yes, and injure when he doesn't do when when they feel like it. Not even when he messes up necessarily. Yes, and then yeah, 
he also physically punishes himself whenever yeah. he thinks about doing something that he I think that's is a magical pretty sure compulsion. they wouldn't like. Right, but yeah. the I, I would argue the it's tr- I would argue it's less self punishment and more just them punishing him from a distance. Okay, that's that's okay. I'm cool with recharacterizing it that way. They have forced him to physically hurt himself. They've magically compelled him. Now, that doesn't change that the author decided that he should use his own body to hurt himself whenever he displeases uh, his masters. And that's how I was thinking of it. And that is not, that's very bad. Uh, the Then even when the house elves are um, in a situation where hopefully at least they're not actively being physically harmed, the house elves in Hogwarts are unpaid and basically live down in the kitchens. Like the Yeah, they have like their own under the kitchen living spaces, I believe. We are several books in. I don't remember how many, but I don't it, like we're at minimum two books in. Four? Yeah, four before five? we find out that the reason that the food can magically appear oh, I think for every meal at Hogwarts is because the house elves are below and cook it and get it ready, and then it is magically transported up. I know that when I was reading the books for however many until that's revealed, I had assumed that the food was magically created because of course that makes sense. You've got magic whatever. (laughs) Of course you magically made the food. That's so much food to feed everybody every night. Mm -hmm. But no, it turns out that they are not seen except if you go looking for them in the kitchen and they don't get paid and don't go out and don't do anything other than make the food. I don't know if they clean or not. I do not remember that detail. And there's yeah, we mentioned the the plot where Hermione is trying to get them freed and then just trying to get them paid. And neither of us can remember totally how that ends up because the narrative kind of stops caring about it. Like, there was a lot of focus in the narrative on how, like, weird it was that Hermione was obsessed with getting them freed. Like, why would you do that? Look at them. They're from Ron so ha- specifically, who from said, specifically, why would yeah. you bother they're happy like this? Yeah, why would you bother they are happy being enslaved? Which is, that's even more yikes. That's, <laughs> that's very bad. That's the kind of thing that historically has been said about enslaved peoples. In- is still being include- said about yeah. our current prison system in some ways. Uh, including, why, but why not would you want limited. to change this? They're fed and clothed and housed and paid like $2 an hour to make things. Like that's uh, a thing that gets said t- in the current current day in the US. That That's, a th- that's still a uh, thing. No, I, I, I'm not in the spaces where I've heard that line being said to me, but that no, I, I have yeah it's yeah so including but not limited to the current slavery that is the u.s prison system the previous slavery that was um enslaving people on on plantations in the u.s and elsewhere 
um, assuming that things are fine because the enslaved people seem happy is terrible and keeps being a thing that is said to justify not changing anything. Um, I, I was, I remember being uncomfortable that it was played kind of for laughs that Hermione was so obsessed with their play. And then it's so heroic and amazing when Harry gets just Dobby free, but <laughs> yeah, Hermione trying to free a hundred, if 50 or a hundred house elves, however many it is. Her trying to free a whole group of house house elves is played for laughs and not taken seriously. And there's all this stuff about the acronym being kind of unfortunate. Like, I don't remember what it was now, but I remember it being a joke. S-P-E-W. Oh, S-P-E-W. Yeah. Society for the Protection of Elf... Promotion of Elvish Workers or Protection of Elvish Workers? I think it's Protection. I don't remember which one. Society for the Protection of Elvish Workers. I think. Yeah. I can so, Google it. Hold on. I'll check. Well, keep, keep going. Yeah. So most of the discussion was about how Hermione's doing this thing in the background. And, oh, look, the um, the acronym's really uh, important. It was promotion. Promotion. Okay. I was right the first time. Society for the Promotion of Elvish Welfare. Elvish, Elvish welfare. welfare. Okay. Elvish, Elvish welfare. welfare. And then wasn't... Wasn't there like an ELF or something that was like the? Um, I might be mixing that up with a different book. Uh, I don't. It was something Liberation Front. If it was an acronym in these books, yeah. It. We'll leave that alone since I don't know about that for sure. But I yeah, there was a, a lot. That might be a different. I don't remember. I okay. I, that sounds familiar, but I cannot find it. Okay, so with. With um, SPEW, I think you might be right about it being Elfish Liberation Front. With SPEW and Hermione not wanting anyone to call it Spew, um, basically that was most of the discourse. Not we need to take these concerns seriously. They are making our food and not getting paid. They have to make our food and don't have an option to do something else where they might get paid more or do something they like. Like none of that is a discussion. It's all, Hey, look, the acronym kind of is terrible. Yeah. I just, Uh, the house elf liberation front was a thing in the goblet of fire. Okay. Remember liberation being a thing. Yeah. Liberation front. Okay. So it wasn't a good acronym. That's why I was, wasn't thinking none of of it was a good acronym at all. (sighs) I hoped maybe they got one. No. Uh, Okay. Moving on to transphobia. The reason that the big reason that we knew we needed to talk about this, but that also we were not going to give up one of our normal book slots. Well, a big reason that Robin knew we needed to talk about this. This This is actually the only one in our list that I... Without Rowling's, or, or specifically in the book, without Rowling's recent, well, I say recent, without Rowling's overtime general transphobia uh, 
this is not a thing that I would have picked up on the books and the one instance of it being of there being a scene that could be read this way I didn't even read this way and I still don't as an adult like I could see retroactively claiming it that way and having it make sense with her very 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 screwed up views but generally what we're talking about with transphobia now is out of canon from her as a person and not portrayals in the books yep so in case you either are not trans or haven't had uh haven't been aware of the recent uh i say recent because it ramped up to be like a post every week about this this has been going on for years that it started with rowling being like liking some transphobic tweets oh okay i shouldn't say started her no, there was her some stuff student- a few years ago yeah i was gonna say her she has a pen name that is mm. the name of the guy who popularized um, conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he invented it, but he at least is one of the major people who popularized and carried out um, conversion therapy, which is um, torturing someone until they say that they are not gay. Um, or potentially not trans. The main thing that I know of is for it um, being used against um, gay and bisexual people, um, lesbians. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's torturing someone until they say that they're not going to do the thing you don't want them to do anymore when that thing is have a queer it's identity. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. And it, it doesn't work because that's not something you can just change about somebody. Someone's understanding of what they're the best way to describe themselves may change, but you well, yeah. you can't people might change their self identifications. Well spe- as, we specific without getting into a lot of semantics. Yes. Specifically conversion therapy is torture until somebody acts behaves and talks about themselves in a way that is convincingly uh cis het het. yep that's what it is in a nutshell yep cisgender and heterosexual heteronormative and heteroromantic and heteroromantic yes and if unless you can convince the person who's torturing you that you are definitely all of those things it keeps going um, there yeah, have been there, people commit suicide in these programs and after and after yeah yep uh there have been um so, many uh, excellent podcasts to... and write-ups about what this is if you don't already know about it yeah, this is but... not our space to explain all that yeah so with rowling's uh statements mm-hmm. recently I'm sure a lot of people have seen these tweets going around. Um, With one every week, you've probably seen at least one of them. Probably seen at least something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there have been... Um, so I'm not looking them up right now. This is off of memory. But, and this is not in any particular chronological order. Uh, she has tweets about uh, trans people being confused. Uh, particularly autistic people 
being bullied or forced by, I think her implication is family, um, into thinking that they are trans because they're autistic and so they can't think for themselves. That's her statement. Yeah, that is not our position. Ugh. Well, as somebody very, 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 very likely on the spectrum, and the only reason I don't have a diagnosis is because it's America and I don't have the ability and I don't want <laughs> to be discriminated against for something when it doesn't matter and that's not the point. Yeah. Uh, no, this is not the stance of our podcast. But, yeah, so that's something she has said. She says that uh, trans women... <laughs> Uh, these are really, really common turf talking points, by the way, most of them. So, like, if you kind of, generally speaking, know what turf rhetoric is, this is not going to be something earth-shattering to you. Um, yeah. She says that trans women are men pretending to be women so that they can rape cis women. <laughs> uh, she says that trans men are women who are just confused, and that gets conflated with the autistic rhetoric. Uh, which is doubly a problem because a lot of AFAB autistic people tend to be very underdiagnosed. And when they are diagnosed, they tend to be incredibly infantilized. Yeah. And so she's kind of crossing two very, very, very um, just very Managed gross- to combine to toxic discriminations yeah to toxic um, views and discriminating things into one idea it, yeah. yeah and and it, it is hurting it hurts both communities and it, it and we yeah, say both communities there are people who are trans oh we're and not yeah autistic this, this and, is this is th- when i yeah. say both communities i'm saying she is using rhetoric against both people mm-hmm. to hurt the other one yep it has it has nothing to do with no, um, just clarifying. intersectionality you know. necessarily it, it because yeah. she doesn't see them she sees them as being the same thing right um when what she is saying is that if you are a trans man it's because of this reason and if you are an autistic person who is also trans then you've been abused and it's like you can't make decisions for yourself and you can't know anything about your own identity because someone has lied to you and that's wrong. Um, she has also said, uh, I think she's had some biphobic. I don't remember quotes off the top of my head right now, but I think she also had some biphobic tweets going around too. In the yeah, last I month. couldn't, I couldn't stomach reading any of the threads. It was, it was so bad. I, I've been involved in a lot of discourse about them after they've happened where kind people have summarized what was going on so that I don't have to read the whole thing because they're very stressful. Okay. Uh, Moving on to our final topic. So, you know, I said earlier in this discussion that I... Hi, Haku. That I would explain why I did not have to reread these books. These books, as a whole, do a very good job of portraying a child 
who is physically and emotionally abused by family. Um, they have him live under a cupboard. They restrict his food. They blame him for anything that goes wrong, whether it's his fault or not. Um, they actively tried to stop him from becoming a wizard, both in backstory and in text. And they, they, they do so in some ways that are not too far out from the ways a lot of abused children in the modern world are treated. Not that living in a cupboard is a universal experience, but not being given clothing in correct sizes or at all when yours are falling apart, not being allowed to eat, um, uh, having other siblings, or in this case Harry's cousin, being encouraged to get in on the abuse. Those are all very, very real experiences. Um, and I would go as far as to kind of generalize a little bit and say that, you know, 15 years ago, those were even, those were ex experiences that were not less common were more common. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna generalize about that. But the internet as a medium for those kids to find each other and talk to each other, and for adults with that past to help each other heal and find communities and you know throw out an experience that you've had and find somebody who not only relates to it but maybe has some resources for you that you didn't know about. That was far less easy to do. And there are a lot of books, um, especially 15 years ago, there were a lot of books that played abuse off for laughs or had abuse char abused characters who kind of glossed over it and were just better now. <laughs> Because they found the magic sword, or they did whatever it was that they were supposed to do in the book. Or they're the chosen one, so being, you know, hurt all their lives until this moment when they ran away from home in a search of adventure uh, was just not something that children still stuck in those situations could really relate to. Like, sure, they like, you might like those stories anyway, but at least when I was in middle school, this series was one of the most widely publicized, widely known, and easy to access without, like Animorphs, a lot of graphic descriptions of pain and suffering. Like a contender and for that spot would be a series of unfortunate events, but those were so... Those were... Those, those were so those didn't well, have any happy endings. Yeah, those were <laughs> so purpose. over the top that they wouldn't be literally what someone might experience. Whereas Harry Potter, right. Harry Potter was, was. A, very in the realm of possibility. Yeah, and and not only that, but Harry Potter was a story about a kid who was in those situations and then was rescued. Yeah, uh, rescued by circumstance first, rescued by friends in book three, I believe. 
Like, literally, they came, the Weasleys came to his window and busted him out of his house. <laughs> yeah. Like, said, hey, come with us. We know that you're being, you're being starved and abused here, so you're gonna, you live with us now. Uh, and then later, in later books, he literally rescues himself and other people. Yeah. Uh, and there have been a lot of, I've seen a lot of criticism over the years about how, specifically, how Harry uh, interacts with other um, people in the Triwizarding Tournament particularly the second um second challenge with regards to uh rescuing people that he wasn't supposed to necessarily rescue um because their champion didn't come for them and there's been a lot of I've seen a lot of criticism of people saying that those actions don't make sense hmm. those actions make perfect sense of course if you are a kid who has been let down by every adult in your life and fully, fully expects that adults will hurt kids and let them die and has had no reason to think otherwise and has nobody that they can trust to take care of them or their friends. If you are a kid who resonates with Harry, you... I, like a lot of other kids, read these books and it it made sense. It felt real. And, you know, we've kind of talked about with some of the other, the other topics we've discussed. You might not have had, depending on, on your, on your, depending on your ethnicity, depending on the country that you lived in, depending on Socioeconomics. Other socioeconomics, yeah. You might not have had the, the the background to understand why some of the other things that are in this book, in this series, are so incredibly harmful. But to be honest, it might even have been at the point where, as some people do with, with media that they consume, it might not have been something you could afford to think about. Because if you didn't have this series at the time... You didn't have anything that made your life feel less hopeless. Because it felt realistic, and then he got out. And that's not an excuse for people ignoring racism or not noticing racism. It's not an excuse for not noticing anti-Semitism. It's not an excuse for, you know, if you excuse the house of slavery for any reason. It's not an excuse for thinking that the fat phobia was okay. But it is incredibly painful to have a series that is, for a lot of people, one of the very few series that, at the time that they had access to, that looked like them and wasn't just pain and suffering, and then to slowly realize that this series is harmful to other people and that the author is harmful to other people or maybe even to yourself. And and the community's having a real reckoning right now with like trying to figure out what to do and what to say like, you know, wh- yeah. what do you say instead of your patronus? Like even stuff that <laughs> simple. There's um, there's been a, at least in the last 10 years there has been a large swath of the online fans. Uh, and community that really likes this series 
who has basically divorced the author from their work. Nobody cares about selling off-brand Harry Potter merch. Nobody cares about, you know, rewriting fanfic to make Harry Potter more inclusive or uh, less harmful and better have better representation for different communities rewriting racist characters uh character uh archetypes to make them not not a problem not like that rewriting characters so that they make sense rewriting characters so that they're not harmful representation but there is still a very very real feeling of betrayal yeah and I know for me personally, when I kind of, I, I kind of, I, I was very close to the, like, quote unquote, correct ages to read these, because I think I was, I was either, I'd have to double check, I think I was either like 10 or 11 when the first book came out. So I was like, I was like, right there. I was right where the same age Harry was. Yes. And I, I got to the end of book five. And just. I kind of, up up to that point, I had read book one, oh, just, I don't know, multiple dozen times. <laughs> I had read book two almost as many. I had read book three a lot. I had read book four and five at least a, do- at least a half a dozen times. And then I started noticing on those rereads, because at this point I was in high school and I was at the point where, like, I had some context for things. I had, I had historical context. I had... Just context with friends and the internet was more of a thing and more exposure to things that made things make more sense in an awful way with these books. And by the time book six came out, she was starting to lose me. Yeah. By the time book seven came out, I was kind of done with the series. (laughs) Um, And then you get to the very last chapter of the last book. And you find out <laughs> that Harry grows up and becomes a cop. <laughs> yeah, he becomes an Auror, which is the, which is magical, the magical wizard cop. cop. And, and, yeah, and that was that was the moment for me where I said, No, this isn't this 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 isn't something that makes sense anymore. It's such a horrible realization because you realize that for the author, this was a story about a trust fund kid who became a cop. And it wasn't that for the rest of us. That's not what we thought No, for the rest of us, this was about a kid. This was about a kid who was abused and got out. This was about a kid who found out about like magical stand-ins for racial stereotypes and then joined up with his friend who was passionate about them to get them free. Ron was against it. Harry didn't get it and then did and then was helping her mind. Like there's, there's so many things like that where Rowling started out the series hooking in kids who were incredibly vulnerable. And I'm specifically talking about abuse victims here, Mm -hmm. hooking them in with this character that looked like them and talked like them and reacted like them and then turns him into a cop at the very end and has him name his children after his abusers and his parents' abusers. <sighs> like, I didn't remember that bit. What are the names? 
Uh, well, Cerberus is one of them. Let me double oh. check. Oh, I did not remember that. Oh, that's bad. That's so bad. <sighs> uh, James Cerberus Potter. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Why would Lily, you- Lily, Lily Luna Potter, which is fine. That's, yeah, that, that fine. That's fine. I'm sorry. James Sirius Potter. That one's okay. Oh, no, no. Sirius is Lily, fine. Lily Luna Potter. Alba Cerverus Potter. Oh, nope. Nope. That's so he bad. named him after the abuser and also the headmaster who just kind of didn't protect his entire student population a lot, including Harry particularly. And, and kept threw Harry things- in danger over and over and over because it was more convenient. So, yeah. oh, it's the ending of, of this series has it, it it takes that again, it this series starts out hooking in some pretty vulnerable kids and tries to tell them that fat phobia uh, makes sense because Harry's abuser was was fat, and that racism makes sense because eh, they're in there, <laughs> hmm. and that anti-Semitism is fine because those characters are built for it in a very literal way in the book, and Ugh. that slavery is bad, but if you can't fix it, it's okay to kind of get close enough. And then the author goes on Twitter and puts down by people trans people and autistic people and her main character who is abused and not helped grows up to become a cop yeah so when people have decided <laughs> that they want nothing more to do with the series maybe hopefully our discussion on this will help give you some context as to why yeah and it's totally up to you as what you want to decide to do about this for yourself. But don't buy the stuff new. Like, that's all I'd say is, you know. Yeah, don't give her any more money, please. Don't give her any more money. It's not. She's using her platform to keep hurting people. And I. If you're going to if you're going to show I, her words, screenshot, don't retweet. I I hope I hope that this episode can feel stale at some point. I hope <laughs> that, that this nice. episode could feel like why are you why did they have to talk about that? But it's July 2020 and June was really bad. It was really really bad and it and doesn't quite frankly, feel we like didn't it's going to get better about this. Quite frankly, we didn't exist last time that she kind of surfaced online. So, this is the first chance we have had to address this. Yeah, as a podcast. There is also that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, we we hope that at some point this episode can feel like a relic. And, oh, why did they feel like they needed to talk about that? But right now we did. So. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, check out our regular episodes in the feed. Um, if you hung with us till the end, um, we hope that this helped. Yeah. If you didn't, you won't hear this anyway, I guess. Um, We've started interviewing authors. We're really excited about that. We're having a really good time. Um, 
we're going to release some on the days that their books come out. And some will release closer to when we actually record them. So we've got some good stuff. And Are we, we, we might have more discussion. We ain't, we're aiming yeah. to have good stuff. <laughs> well, I know the bits we've already recorded are, are great. They were. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I just. We talk about trauma, but we try not to have it be sad or depressing to listen to. And. This, this is one. A, a weird exception. Yep. Hopefully a weird so, exception over time. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you on our regularly scheduled fortnightly episodes with sporadic interviews to lighten, lighten your weeks, hopefully. Thank you. This has been Robin and Nicole from Books That Burn.